MSW Media. Thanks to Real Paper for supporting Daily Beans. There are no new trees cut down to make products at Real Paper. Sign up for a subscription and get 30% off your first order at reelpaper.com slash dailybeans or use code dailybeans at checkout. And thanks to Fight Camp for supporting the Daily Beans. They bring the best workout to you at home. Learn boxing or kickboxing with world-class programming, elite trainers, premium equipment, and smart technology. Now is the best time to get your Fight Camp. Purchase this month and get an additional pair of gloves for free at joinfightcamp.com slash beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Today, the 1-6 committee issues subpoenas to three advisors from Trump's inner circle. There was a hearing today for Donald's motion to dismiss Mary Trump's lawsuit against him. We just got a big clue that the Department of Justice is investigating Trump's role in the coup. Fauci takes Rand Paul down a peg. The Fulton County DA has met with Donald Trump's lawyers and the Department of Justice forms a domestic terrorism unit. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how are you today? I am okay. There are so many fun stories today. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. We've finally got some information about what the Department of Justice is doing. We get these little tiny clues, and we usually get them from court filings, which is the way we should be getting them because you're not supposed to talk about open and ongoing investigations because you could jeopardize them and taint future juries. So I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, later in the show, I don't know if you're following it, but Mary had a hearing today and her lawyers are awesome and Trump's lawyers are stupid. Indeed. And we're going to be talking with Adam Klasfeld. He's the host of the Objections podcast and he's now the managing editor of Law and Crime. And we're going to discuss that hearing. He followed it step by step. And I think it was a great day in court for our friend Mary. I agree with you. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So the big, huge, explosive bombshell lead story comes from Mike Schmidt at the New York Times. He's the guy who broke the Russia story, by the way. And it's not getting the coverage it deserves. As the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th assault on the Capitol rushes to gather evidence and conduct interviews, how far it will be able to go in holding the former guy accountable increasingly appears to hinge on one possible witness, Mike Pence. Now, since the committee was formed last summer, Pence's lawyer and the panel have been talking informally about whether or not he'd be willing to speak to investigators. That's according to people briefed on the discussions. But as Pence began sorting through a complex calculation about his cooperation, he indicated that the committee is kind of undecided. And that's according to the committee. And to some degree, the current situation reflects negotiating strategies by both sides, with the committee eager to suggest an air of inevitability about Pence answering questions and the former vice president's advisors looking for reasons to limit his political exposure, even though everyone fucking hates him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm ad libbing. Now, the move could further complicate his ambitions to run for president in 2024, Mike Schmidt says, and I have to laugh. But there appears to be growing tension, right? According to Mike Schmidt here in recent weeks, Pence has said, by people familiar with his thinking, to have grown increasingly disillusioned with the idea of voluntary cooperation. He has told aides that the committee has taken a sharp partisan turn by openly discussing the potential for criminal referrals to the Justice Department about Trump and others. Such referrals, in Pence's view, appear designed to hurt Republicans' chances 
of winning the midterms. <laughs> not, yeah, not the insurrection on the Capitol. Yeah. But finding out the truth about it. Could hurt <laughs> yeah. Republicans' chances in Congress, you think? Hmm? And uh, Pence says, or Pence, people familiar with his thinking, say that he's grown annoyed that the committee is publicly signaling that it has secured a greater degree of cooperation from his top aides than he actually has. Something he sees as part of a pattern of Democrats trying to turn his team against Trump, the guy who tried to assassinate him. Okay, now, (laughs) Stephanie Miller calls him, I think, sad Santa. And he goes, no, No. Trump didn't try and assassinate me. No, sad Santa. Eat Papa. No one. (laughs) For the committee, Mr. Pence's testimony under oath would be an opportunity to establish in detail how Trump pressured him to block the certification of Biden's victory. And that brought the country to the brink of a constitutional crisis and helped inspire the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. It could be vital to the committee in deciding whether it has sufficient evidence to make a criminal referral for Trump to the Justice Department, as a number of its members have said they could consider doing. The potential charge floated by some members of the committee is violation of the federal law that prohibits obstructing an official proceeding. How many times have we talked about that? He doesn't quote it here, but he, you know, we know it to be 18 U.S. Code 1512C2. Now, the combination of pressure brought to bear on Pence and Mr. Trump's repeated public exhortations about his vice president, like if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. That's what he told supporters on the ellipse just before they marched to the Capitol. All that could help the committee build a well-documented narrative linking Trump to the temporary halting of the vote certification through rioters focused at his urging on Pence, right? Hang Mike Pence. A criminal referral from the committee would carry little legal weight, but could increase public pressure on the Justice Department. Now, Attorney General Garland said last week that federal prosecutors remained committed to holding all January 6th perpetrators at any level, at any level, accountable under law, whether they were present that day or were otherwise criminally responsible for the assault on our democracy, not the Capitol, democracy. But he did not mention Trump or indicate whether the department considered obstruction of Congress as a charge that would fit the circumstances. And it's actually not obstruction of Congress. Mike, it's obstruction of an official proceeding. Obstruction of Congress is 18 U.S. Code 505, and it only carries a five-year maximum sentence, whereas obstructing an official proceeding, which is what the DOJ is charging a bunch of rioters with, carries a max 20-year sentence. Now, there are nonetheless some early indications that federal prosecutors working on charging the Capitol rioters are looking carefully at Trump's pressure on Pence, and his efforts to rally his supporters to keep up that pressure, even after Pence decided that he would not block the certification. These are the early indications. Are you ready for the buried lead? This is how far we're into this story before we get to this Give it to me. nugget. Give it to me. In plea negotiations, federal prosecutors recently began asking defense lawyers for some of those charged in January 6th cases, whether their clients would admit in sworn statements that they stormed the Capitol, believing that Trump wanted them to stop Pence from certifying the election. In theory, such statements could help connect the violence at the Capitol directly to Trump's demands that Pence help him stave off the defeat. You know, I picture, honestly, I picture Donald, you know, that weird dance he does when on stage where he's just like, old man. I picture like when they were like, hey, Mike Pence, that he was in the dining room doing his little dance, just watching it unfold. Yep. That's what I picture. All right, A.G., you mentioned Trump's speech at the Ellipse in the reporting from the New York Times just now. And today we learned that the 1-6 committee has subpoenaed the speech writer for Trump's ellipse speech, along with two other Trump advisors. Now, in a subpoena to Ross Worthington, the committee writes, quote, based on documents produced to the select committee, we have reason to believe that you assisted in the drafting of then-President Trump's speech at the rally on the ellipse. 
Now, the second subpoena went out to Andy Sarabian. He was an advisor to Trump who the committee believes has information about the planning of the Ellipse rally and concerns over possible speakers like Alexander and Alex Jones and, and fees paid to those who did speak at that rally. They also say they have reason to believe he communicated about the rally with Taylor Budowich, Julie Fanchelli, Kimberly Guilfoyle, the best is yet to come, <laughs> Katrina Pearson, Arthur Schwartz, Donald Trump Jr., and Caroline Wren. Now, the third subpoena went out to Arthur Schwartz and says the same thing that Andy's Sarabians did. So in addition to these subpoenas, a Fox conspiracy theory bit the dust today, which is a beautiful thing. One of the most popular conspiracy theories aired by Tucker Carlson is the idea that the federal agents helped spur the violence, that the federal agents helped spur the violence that overwhelmed the Capitol on January 6th of 2021. And within that particular theory, no individual has received more attention than Ray Epps, an Arizona man who's been identified as the person encouraging a pro-Trump crowd on January 5th to enter the Capitol the following day and who appeared near the scene of the first barrier breach. So according to Tucker, his followers, and Ted Cruz, the fact that Epps was never arrested means he was a federal agent there to gin up violence. That's what their theory is. So Cruz grilled Jill Sanborn about Epps in a hearing Tuesday. Now, it's funny because, you know, he got his ass handed to him by Tucker Carlson, and then all of a sudden now he's like grilling this woman about Epps. So he, he said a lot of people were concerned about Epps and the crowd around him was yelling, fed, fed, fed. And he asked her if Epps was a fed. So she declined to answer the question because that is her job. (laughs) But Cruz (laughs) wouldn't shut up about it. But it seems pretty obvious that since he didn't assault anyone and didn't enter the Capitol, he didn't break any laws. And then we're talking about Epps. Because I think Cruz did commit some (laughs) crimes that day, but whatever. (laughs) A few hours after Cruz's performance, and that's what we're going to call it because it is every time he's in a hearing, the House committee investigating the January 6th attack released a statement through a spokesperson. The committee, it turns out, had talked to Epps, who, offering testimony that could subject him to criminal prosecution if he lies, denied being a federal agent. Okay, Now, in a quote, this is a quote, the select committee is aware of unsupported claims that Ray Epps was an FBI informant based on the fact that he was on the FBI wanted list and then was removed from that list without being charged. Now, this said in a statement provided to the Washington Post, it went on to say, the select committee has interviewed Mr. Epps. Mr. Epps informed us that he was not employed by working with or acting at the direction of any law enforcement agency on January 5th or 6th or at any other time and that he has never been an informant for the FBI or any other law enforcement agency, end quote. (laughs) I know. So Epstein's, okay, so he does have a job, as the tabloid Daily Mail discovered when it tracked him down in Arizona. He hosts weddings at a ranch he owns (laughs) in the desert. I mean, if that's not a cover, if that's not some, you know, Breaking Bad shit in the desert of (laughs) Arizona... This summer, Julia Roberts and Ray Epps in The Wedding Planner 2. <laughs> oh my God, ridiculous. Some other committee tidbits from Hugo Lowell. Benny Thompson says Rudy Giuliani is on the list of people they want to interview. He also told Hugo that they're discussing with their lawyers whether or not they can legally subpoena a member of Congress and whether it can be enforced. Interesting. He's also non-committal on whether he expects to finalize plans by the end of this month 
to have Pence testify. Yeah, interesting. And I just want to express to everyone that some of the best lawyers in the universe are working with the 1-6 committee. And if it's not legally viable to subpoena a member of Congress, it's they're going to be the ones who know. So I just kind of want everybody to sort of understand that. And I trust these lawyers, Doug Letter. Absolutely. Adam Schiff, Jamie Rand. I mean, these are just some of the most brilliant legal minds. They're, they're going to know better than me, than most. They're going to know better than most folks. And definitely better than me. <laughs> I don't I don't know that a member of Congress should be, you know, above a subpoena. I don't think so. But we'll, we'll see what they say. And I will take them at their word if they say it's not legally viable, because the last thing you want to do is subpoena a member of Congress, try to hold them in contempt and have the DOJ not indict them. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to shoot and miss in, in those cases. Thanks for those updates. In other Trump crime news. I love this one. I love this one. <laughs> this is good. Maddo last night with the exclusive that Trump's lawyers have met with the Fulton County DA. And that's big news on the heels of the reporting yesterday that we talked about that the Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, said Monday she expects to make a charging decision in the first half of this year in that investigation. And in other news today, uh, let's just listen to this awesome clip of Fauci taking down Rand Paul again. Just about three or four weeks ago, on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C. at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked the police asked him where he was going. And he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15, and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. I love, Dana, that he brought with him printed out website. (laughs) He brought receipts, documents. He brought them. He's like, I'm printing this shit out. I'm taking it with me. That guy's going to be an asshole today. I know it. Oh, God, it's so beautiful. He got it with him. Mm. Makes me happy. Yep. And he knew Rand Paul was going to be an asshole. He's always an asshole. Oh, I love the story. This story, thank you for leaving it for me. The Justice Department is forming a new domestic terrorism unit to help combat a threat that has intensified dramatically in recent years, a top national security official said Tuesday. Matthew G. Olson, the head of the Justice Department's National Security Division, announced the creation of the unit in his opening remarks before the Senate Judiciary Committee, noting that the number of FBI investigations of suspected domestic violent extremists Those accused of planning or committing crimes in the name of domestic political goals had more than doubled since the spring of 2020. Hmm. Olson said that the Justice Department previously had counterterrorism attorneys who worked both domestic and international cases and that the new unit would, quote, augment our existing approach. So his testimony came just a few days after the anniversary of the January 6th riot on the Capitol from 2021 an event that some lawmakers say showed that the FBI underestimated the threat posed by domestic extremists and violence-prone members of far-right groups. They did. The hearing was convened to assess the threat of domestic terrorism a year after January 6th attack. And AG, this is the hearing I was talking about earlier where Cruz was going after Jill Sanborn. 
of the FBI with his debunked conspiracy shit theories about the wedding planner? Yeah, she <laughs> Olson sought to assure lawmakers that the Justice Department is investigating and prosecuting all of those who committed crimes, no matter what motivated them. Olson also, she also said authorities had arrested and charged more than 725 people, including more than 325 facing felony counts in connection with their roles in the January 6th attack. Now, the FBI is seeking to identify and arrest more than 200 additional suspects. So from 2016 to 2019, the number of domestic terrorism suspects arrested per year actually fell from 229 to 107 before jumping AG to 180 in 2020. Now, since 2020, the number of open investigations has grown rapidly. FBI Director Christopher Wray has previously said that to handle the caseload and more than triple the number of agents and analysts working on domestic terrorism cases. So basically, this is a Nazi... It's a Nazi stomping, you know, unit, which is we could all (laughs) use one, couldn't we? They can't call it a Nazi (laughs) punching unit, but I do think they can call it a Nazi stomping unit. That's what I called it on Twitter. We should call it. Very excited. We should call it the Nazi punching unit. (sighs) I know we can't, (laughs) but it's just a dream. I know. I'm I'm all for punching Nazis. All right. Super glad they're standing up this unit too. That's really great. This is the kind of shit I want to hear about you know, resources and planning for what they're doing to investigate one six. Those are the kind of things that, you know, Pete Strzok and I talked about this past weekend on Mueller. She wrote like, we're still a little in the dark as to, you know, we, he went over Eric Garland in his speech on the 5th of January, you know, it was like, Hey, we have to have 20,000 hours of video. We have to go through, we have, you know, 15 terabytes of evidence. Uh, uh, but he didn't say, so what I've done is I've, you know, put all these people on it and I've thrown this much money at it and I've asked Congress for additional funding. He hasn't he hasn't said that. And I'm I'm not saying he's not doing right. it and not doing everything that he can. I was just hoping for a little bit more on that front for for resources, because every time he stands something up like this now, everybody goes, well, what about how about you stand up a unit to investigate January 6th? You know, I mean, it's just there's a lot of blowback that I think continues to happen. But we did get that information today. It looks like now the Department of Justice is trying to tie Trump's pressure, Pence pressure campaign uh, and the violent attack on the Capitol together. So we'll see how that works out. It's good stuff. And just a little side note, just to go back to the story, and you know this little piece of deliciousness, the only reason Trump's lawyers would meet with the Fulton County case is for two reasons. Either they're going to dismiss it and they're not. Or they're giving their lawyers an opportunity to say, and this is just a, you know, just a, I would, I bet you'd put your beans on this. Hey, we're going to indict your boy. Do you have any evidence saying we shouldn't? Right. And that usually happens. You usually either get a target letter or you meet with lawyers. A lot of times, and we've, we've heard about this, what happens is, is the Department of Justice or an investigatory body will come to you and say, we're going to indict you. Talk us out of it. Absolutely. You know? So and 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 they give him a chance to actually do that. So <laughs> Fannie Willis is a badass. And we'll I love see it. What, I love we'll it. See what goes down. So Mary Trump had a hearing today in her lawsuit against her aunt and uncle for defrauding her out of millions, by the way. Oh, yeah. And man, the disparity between the ability of the legal teams was on stark display today. And I'm going to talk about that with the host of the Objections podcast and now managing editor of Law and Crime, Adam Klasfeld, right after this. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG here for The Daily Beans. It is estimated that tens of thousands of trees are cut down every day to make products that are either flushed down the toilet or end up in overflowing landfills. 
About one quarter of the carbon humans emit into the atmosphere is removed by our forests, making our forests a crucial part in the fight against climate change. And real paper can help with that fight. Real paper reduces deforestation and waste generated by single-use plastics. At Real Paper, they make all the toilet paper and paper towels with 100% plastic-free and non-virgin tree fibers, meaning no trees are cut down to make them. In order to preserve the health of our planet, Real developed a premium, sustainable alternative without sacrificing quality. It's a small but meaningful change. Real Paper has already eliminated more than 250,000 pieces of single-use plastic, and each purchase of Real contributes to the funding of clean sanitation programs around the world. I love that they offer sustainable options and that by using Real Paper products, I'm contributing to conservation rather than the decimation of our planet. Purchasing Real Paper is simple, hassle-free, and it's great to use their website. It's really user-friendly and really well-designed. I love it. And you can either get a subscription or as a one-time purchase, all orders are conveniently delivered to your door in 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging, too. So if you head to realpaper.com slash dailybeans and sign up for a subscription using our code dailybeans at checkout, you'll automatically get 30% off your first order. I love my Real Paper products. They're so soft and comfy. That's realpaper, R-E-E-L-P-A-P-E-R.com slash dailybeans or enter promo code dailybeans, all one word, to get 30% off your first order. Real Paper is toilet paper and paper towels that change lives. And today's show is also brought to you by Fight Camp. Have you set your New Year's fitness goals yet? Let me tell you about something that will revolutionize the way you work out. It's called Fight Camp, and they bring you the best workout in the world in the comfort of your own home. You'll have access to world-class programming, elite trainers, premium equipment, and interactive technology that makes learning to box and kickbox from home fun, interactive, and awesome. The combination of boxing with plyometric exercises gives you a full-body workout that combines cardio and strength training. It also sharpens the mind as focus and concentration are essential for boxing, and precise combinations force you to consider every punch you throw. It's the ultimate way to clear your mind and forget what you're... Like, I don't even realize I'm working out. It's so awesome. With Fight Camp, you will have everything you need to get started uh, at boxing from home, including a punching bag, boxing gloves, hand wraps, and smart punch trackers. And it takes up less room than you think. If you have enough room to do a push-up, you have enough room for Fight Camp. Get the whole family involved, too. Since there are no heavy weights or spinning wheels, it's one of the only home workouts that's safe for kids, too. It's a great way for them to get their energy out learn something new, and have fun together. I love how intense boxing and kickboxing workouts are. High-intensity interval training, it's fantastic cardio, and with Fight Camp, the workouts are so varied, I always enjoy something fresh, and it's always interesting and motivating. And now's the best time to get your Fight Camp. Take advantage of their holiday deal still going on now. If you purchase this month, you'll get an additional pair of gloves for free. Just go to joinfightcamp.com beans to get an additional pair of gloves for free. That's joinfightcamp.com beans. Again, joinfightcamp.com beans. Everybody, welcome back. Happy today to be joined by my friend, managing editor now at Law and Crime. Congratulations and host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld. Adam, hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. It's good to see you, my friend. Great to see you as well. Today, I was hanging on your just hanging on your Twitter feed (laughs) because my friend Mary Trump had a hearing for her case, her lawsuit against Donald and Donald's sister and who has passed brother, Robert. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit, uh, maybe briefly about the case, although I think most of the listeners know we've had Mary on to talk about it. But I was very fascinated by, first of all, the level, the different level of lawyering that I witnessed today. And some of the defense, some of the defenses used by Trump's team were really just out there. Well, it was an interesting hearing. Now, this was for a a long delayed hearing on a motion to dismiss. Uh, Mary Trump 
filed her lawsuit in the wake of her book, Too Much and Never Enough, where she said for the first time that she found out through the New York Times investigation that she had been defrauded out of her inheritance and that the lawsuit essentially springs up from her point out of this notification. So she sued not only former President Trump, but also his sister, her aunt, Marianne Trump Barry, who's a former federal judge, by the way, and claiming that both of them in the words of her lawsuit, fleeced her out of tens of millions of dollars. So that was the allegations of the complaint. And it came to a head today in the motion to dismiss. Now, like many motions to dismiss, they go not to the merits of the case. Very often, the challenges are something that are more technical. And what we heard mostly from uh, both of the elder Trump's lawyers today were arguments about the statute of limitations. They said that this was over an inheritance battle in the 1980s, and therefore that it's not timely. Mary Trump's response to that is that she found out about it in this very recent Pulitzer Prize winning investigation Mm. from the New York Times. That, That was when she was on notice. The other argument that they put forward is that there was a settlement agreement in the words of the elder Trump's here, the former president and his sister, that this was supposed to be a global settlement deal and they claim a deal's a deal. Well, there are multiple responses to that from Mary Trump. One of them is that there were multiple agreements. And if you're saying that this agreement was all encompassing, what would be the need to have more than one agreement? And there were another argument put forward in the lawsuit is that the lawyer that she was represented by, she claims was essentially an old hand at Trump land in the allegations of the lawsuit, that he was a guy who was compromised. Now, and that is her argument for booting this motion to dismiss and moving forward with the allegations of her complaint. Yeah, I was really taken by the statute of limitations discussion because I'm not a lawyer, but we sort of all know that it's not when the fraud occurs. It's when you discover that it occurred. And and she is within that statute of limitations for filing filing her lawsuit. And I found the argument interesting where basically Trump's team was saying, hey, look, she's a smart lady. She had the documents. If she just would have done her due diligence, she'd have known that we defrauded her, you know, <laughs> like, like stop short of saying that, right? right? She'd have figured it out herself. And I believe the judge some, said something along the lines of, look, I'm sure she's an awesome psychologist, but that doesn't make her an expert in real estate law. And, you know, also to the point that that line of defense just sort of boggled my mind. Oh, yeah, we ripped her off, but she should have figured it out on her own. And as she said, hey, her lawyer said, look, it took a team of reporters, 18 months, experts, right, to to go through this, fiduciary financial experts. And so it would be, I think, unreasonable to expect Mary Trump, who who is a very bright, intelligent, brilliant woman, but to be able to figure that out on her own, right. especially when, if I remember correctly, those documents were sort of being kept from her. She had to, you know, it was it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to walk in and grab all those for the New York Times folks. Right. I mean, it was a very interesting exchange at one point today because you had Trump's lawyers trying to denigrate 
the investigative journalism that led to this Pulitzer Prize. Again and again, you had former President Trump's lawyers claiming that this was uh, Mary Trump just handed her handed them the documents and the documents told the story that there were no pieces of the puzzle to put together. Well, if you read that old New York Times investigation, they describe the schemes as numbingly complex. And by the way, since they published it in 2018, this was one thing that was so remarkable about it and why it made the impact and got the recognition that it did it outright accused Trump of fraud multiple times. It didn't qualify it. It didn't put it through the mouth of so-and-so says it was a fraud. The the article itself, for a news article, said that the schemes that they were reporting were fraudulent. So this was a, as you noted, a something that was had a team of very prestigious reporters, very accomplished reporters, hashing out through interviews and other and other methods of piecing and making sense of the documents that they receive. According to former President Trump's lawyers, they are trying to depict it as just a simple matter of they were given the documents, they said what were in the documents, and they're trying to make it seem as though Mary Trump didn't do her due diligence in their words. Now, this case is before the judge now. He didn't give the ruling, but we'll see where he lands on this. Right now, we're at the very early stages. And he said very early in the proceedings that this is a motion to dismiss. I have to accept everything as true. And he sharply questioned, particularly the lawyers for Marion Trump Barry, the former federal judge and mm. Mary Trump's aunt. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it, it seemed to go well for Mary Trump today. But of course, we'll never know until the judge comes back. Did the fact that the Trump organization itself is under a 15 count indictment for a fraud scheme to to cheat on taxes, did that come up at all? Or is that more of a meritorious merits kind of argument? Not not so much. a. I don't know. It seems like they weren't trying to the defense of, hey, everyone knows he's a fraud. She should have known he was a fraud. Everybody knows he's a fraud. You know, that, that just, again, just blew my mind. But I, I don't remember hearing anything about the fact that the Trump organization is under indictment. Uh, it didn't come up during today's hearings. and But it's something that's percolating in the same uh, New York court system and something that we'll definitely be following Something that did come up again with uh, the lawyers for Donald Trump and Marion Trump Barry tried to point out that in her book, she sensed that she was being lied to at the time. They're saying, well, she must have known. She must have known. The judge said there's a world of difference between sensing that you're being lied to and being defrauded. Discovering the fraud. Right. Discovering a fraud. And as as reported by the New York Times and alleged in her complaint, something that operated through a sham corporation in one instance. And, it, you know, that I, I would encourage people to read the Times investigation to get a kind of idea of how Mary Trump says this operated and what the New York Times reporters found. It was a 37-page investigation by the count of Trump's lawyers made a point to talk about the length of it and involved this team of reporters. Doesn't that kind of go against their case, though? Like, 
to were you trying to argue that it was too complex for her to you know to have to try to do her due diligence on you're gonna brag about how long the article was okay <laughs> yeah well it was this it was just an interesting thing in the exchange where they were saying well only three pages of an extensive investigation referred to the allegations of that complaint well three pages is a long article in and of itself okay. and it went more it went more expansive from there yeah, of course. Yeah, of, of course it did. Was there any sort of um, discussion about, well, like you said, this is just a hearing on just the motion to dismiss. So there there weren't any merits discussions really here. But I, I also that's uh, something interesting that you bring up that they said, hey, she said in her book that she knew we were lying to her. I mean, that you're just saying that we I would use that transcript in you know, if this case gets to go forward, I would be using that in the case like they have just right here mm-hmm. basically admitted that they lied to us. And, and finally, was something about a release, because it seemed like they they were saying, hey, we, we tricked her into signing a release saying she wouldn't sue us <laughs> in the future. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But did, did that release come up and did the judge have anything to say about the, you know, because the release of liability, basically, that I believe Mary Trump signed uh, long ago when she was, you know, defrauded. So it's about the scope of the release. And uh, that's what the arguments revolved around. And the judge questioned Marion Trump Barry's lawyers about the argument that this was, in their words, a general release that covers everything by saying there were multiple releases. And if there are multiple releases, then maybe it wasn't general. Maybe it was tailored to a certain situation. And that, in fact, was the argument that Mary Trump was making. There's also the argument from the elder Trump's team, from President Trump, Marion Barry's Trump, was that Mary Trump was a knowing, sophisticated participant with a competent counsel. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier about her allegations that the lawyer that she was assigned was an old hand in Trump world. And that's where the argument about the release gets interesting, that essentially that the she says that the lawyer assigned to represent her interests was allegedly working for the other side. Mm-hmm. And um, any thoughts on what the judge might come back with? I learned never to give <laughs> predictions, uh, but it's a it's an interesting thing, though. Sometimes you do get a sense of where the judge's questions are sharper and more directed. And from that particular calculus, the attorney for Marion Trump Barry cannot be feeling very good right now. Yeah, that, and that's sort of my feeling, too. I, I, again, predictions aren't always the best idea. But if, if I if I was just asked to make a guess based on how the hearing went today and, and the arguments that I heard and the, the questions that the judge asked, I'd probably put my dollar if I bet any money on on, uh, on Mary's team. But yeah, very interesting hearing. Thank you for covering it. I love following you at Klasfeld Reports because you like every five minutes, there's a new, a very important thing that you tweet about. So everyone should follow you on Twitter. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to see you. Great to see you, too. It's my pleasure, as always. Yeah. And we'll talk about this in the future when we when we find out what the judge comes back with. Do you have a feeling it'll be relatively soon, week two, sometime in the next week or so? Uh, you know, I've I can never tell when a judge says the word soon. 
Um, and I don't think he even said the word soon in this interest. It's in this particular instance, but uh, it could be a couple days. It could be weeks. It could be longer. So I'll report it right away. That I can say. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, this is AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by Allform, and they craft high-quality, customizable furniture for your home. Furniture from Allform is tailored to fit your needs. It's delivered right to your doorstep for free. You can design your own luxury furniture with Allform using premium materials and at a fraction of the price and time, too. One time I had a custom couch that took like 12 weeks. My choice was a three-seater sofa. I did whiskey-colored leather with walnut legs and a chaise lounge at the end. It's beautiful. It's stylish. It's comfortable. It looks fantastic. It's spill stain and scratch resistant, so I can have the pod pets around it and they don't hurt it. And all form ships fast. It arrives in the mail within three to seven days and requires no tools to assemble. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. And you can always start small and buy more later if you want. Best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, go to allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform right now is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, idioms of the world, idiots of the Senate, misheard song lyrics, a new hallelujah chorus. We haven't <laughs> it almost sounded one. like idiots of the world, idiots of the world, <laughs> idioms of the Senate, whatever. Shoplifters of the world. Um, shared swears. Find the cat. Happy places. What the mutt. Shit kids say. Shit parents say. Whatever you want to send it in, you can send it in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Oh, my God, the dog. I know. Look at the scruffy wiredly. I don't know if it's an old man or an old woman, and it may not be, but it sure looks like it. Look at the beard. Okay. From Blue Patty, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. You're so fun to listen to in the wee hours. I often wake up very early. Instead of getting out of bed, I tune into Patreon. And it's a good thing I have my door closed because I often laugh out loud at some of your stuff and to the submissions from the Beans community. The recent ones about farts in a jar (laughs) or soda bottle made me LOL. This woke up my grand dog, Chewbacca, who was in (laughs) bed with me. He often spends a few days here at Camp Nana's. He's 15 pounds of fun, loves to chew on a, on a knotted sock. Oh, that's a good toy. And have zoomies outside, sniff wild critter tracks, and in summer, spends many minutes sniffing toad tunnels at the pond. Thanks for being real and for giving us all the important news with swearing and no bullshit. I mean, this pup is adorable. I can hear his little toes on the floor. Right? Chip, chip, chip. Oh my God, he's so, so cute. All right, you want to take the next two? Sure. All right, this is from Karen, pronoun she and her. Greetings, fabulous Leguminati. Happy New Year. Nothing to report. Just wanted to share some joy with pics of my G-kids and with pygmy baby goats. Yes. <laughs> I hope you giggle as much as I did while taking this picture. Love to you all. Oh, <laughs> my God. Where can I go, Karen? I know. To cuddle these pygmy baby goats. That's my question. I would love an answer tomorrow. Okay, this next one. Thank you so much. <laughs> This next one is from Cam, pronouns he and him. Okay, first I want to thank you guys for helping me through the literally hardest year of my life. In late 2020, somebody hacked my pandemic unemployment and it halted all of my payments despite being unemployed frequently. I was forced to work two jobs, one very public at sporting events in the middle of a pandemic to maintain my finances. 
both of which dropped out entirely in December, including a third part time pizza gig that ended by accident. And despite escaping the rent trap, I was terrified that I would get foreclosed on. And all along, I had been stressed as a musician because I have been unable to use my outlet of working on albums and songwriting while constantly moving, packing, and unpacking. I am, however, proud to tell you that so far, 2022 has delivered on fixing every one of those problems. I got a new job doing the same thing I used to, still working from home and with a significant raise in health insurance for the first time in seven years. Two days ago, 13.5 months later, Pandemic unemployment fixed my account and paid me a backlog of payments. Hell yeah. In the interim between starting my new job, I have made a serious amount of progress on the album I hope to finish this year, playing most of the instrumentation. All of this with the finally happy surprise. I'm learning how to choose the right audio apps for you. Sorry. (laughs) Did you guys hear that? My Apple Watch decided to pipe in. I'm leaving it. <laughs> I don't know what. You'll need an app for me. All right, calm down, Siri. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. It's I, like I, the South Park episode with I, with Alexa. That was so weird. I I um I I'll tell you after this good news a story about this. I don't know what I said to Siri that made her pipe up. Okay, playing the most of the instrumentation. Now all of this with a finally happy surprise. Oh, that's where it came in. Surprise that my partner of three years and I have decided to move in together as a big family with our fur babies. Awesome. Yeah. Attached as a pet tax, my cutie pie scully pancakes and my partner's kitty cat binks. Both are rescues from the greater Pittsburgh area. Look at these. Look at that one-eyed kitty. Look at that one-eyed kitty. That looks like my Bruce Willis. Oh my goodness. So sweet. No, look at the bubbles. Hello. Oh, these are adorable pets. And hey, yeah, 2022 has delivered. You delivered too, Cam. This oh my year. God, so good. So quick little story about that whole Siri thing. Uh, my ex and I were in therapy and she was saying something. I don't know what she was talking about. And during the middle of it, she accidentally hit her phone. And all you could hear when she finished was Siri go, I didn't understand that. And I looked at the <laughs> therapist and I was like, neither did I. <laughs> We were laughing so hard. <laughs> I did not understand that, me either. Is that in your visit? I'm going to be my mom right now. You should put that in your jokes. Oh my God, probably. She used to do this thing where we'd be in an argument and she would go, I think we just need to take a breath and give this to God. And I was like, uh, then can you ask God to give it back? Because I'd like to finish this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. This one-eyed kitty. Look, look at this little kittles. Oh, thank you for that. Next up from a hand. That's so funny. I didn't understand that. <laughs> Me either, Siri. Me either. Me neither. And next up from Hannah, pronoun she and her. Today I have good, good news, bad, bad news, and good, bad. Or is it bad, good news for you? The good, good news is that when you read my previous bad, good news, <laughs> you correctly identified Kitty's tail as floofy, not fluffy. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. I deliberately didn't specify this as a test, which you passed with flying colors. (laughs) I was sure you would, but in these uncertain times, you can't be too careful. My bad, bad news is that Australia continues to detain the 32 asylum seekers in the Park Hotel, along with many others in various detention centers who have also been detained without hearings for years on end. Despite the attention of a famous tennis player brought there, there's no sign that anything is going to change anytime soon. The good, bad or bad good news is that I'm brazen enough to keep bringing them up in your good news blocks as often as I can, find a mildly entertaining way to do it. (laughs) Maybe if enough people start bringing it up in enough places, some momentum will build 
and something will come of it. Who knows? Maybe a famous sports person will use their platform to advocate for them. <laughs> for my pet tax, I am submitting photos of the fan-tailed cuckoo, whose beautiful melancholy call got me through lockdown 2.0 way back in 2020. Not strictly a pet, but I think I'll get away with it if I also provide a link to a recording of the call they make. Excellent. Thank you. So we'll have that link in our show notes. There's fan well, there cuckoo it. It's call. a beautiful Look, it, bird with, that caught its worm. Got a little wormy in his mouth. Oh, is he dropping it? I don't or did know. did he eat it? It's a good How question. We'll never know. The last picture looks like he ate it. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for that. This next one's from Celia, pronouns she and her, regarding hey poopy and confessions. I used to be one of those cynical listeners who didn't need the good news, just the facts, until I started listening and it got me through so much. Now it's an equally favorite segment. I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer after a chance call to my GP, and all of a sudden my summer changed. Many silver linings. During a pandemic, daily trips into Toronto for treatment was a breeze due to lockdown. Ditto with the parking. My kids were traumatized but completely supportive, and my spouse put his usual sarcasm on hold for the summer. Testing revealed that I was actually stage two, so I felt like I had been upgraded to business class. And because my cancer is rare, less than 100 cases in Canada since 1919, I had my choice of specialists wanting to rid me of my toxic unicorn, who I named after my last boss, a particularly (laughs) toxic person. Because, well, visualization helps when radiation is raking across your ass. What a great fucking line. What a wonderfully written sentence. Right? Right? Flash forward a few months and my tumor has shrunk by over 75% and cancer-free seems in my future. So just seconding the motion on checking out any random changes in bathroom habits, it can save your life and you don't want to die of shame. Thanks for the work that goes into this podcast. I've listened since the very early days of Muller and I'm so appreciative of the analysis and depth that informs each pod. As pod pet tax, I enclosed a couple pics of some of our menagerie, Salvatore, otherwise known as Sal, was a pound cat who demanded that I take him to as I was in the process of adopting another stray that day. And Cubana, our Cuban charm offensive. She's unrelenting. Thanks for all you do. It's so worthwhile and so appreciated. Oh, baby. Oh my God. First, the hat's going on and then just stays there, which is odd. I don't know how fast that picture was taken. <laughs> and then the last one in the bag. Oh, my gosh. And Celia, that's such good news. 75%. Wow. It really is. Wow. That's I'm 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 here for this. Cancer free is in your future. So absolutely. I love it. I have a a dear friend that actually was diagnosed 10 years ago with stage four colon, and she is still kicking it and fighting and is living a very full life. She's she's beaten the statistics. So you know, make sure you make sure you get those things checked out and see if you can catch them early if they are indeed there. Yeah. And I had my colonoscopy this year. And while the prep, the prep sucked, it, the the fentanyl roller coaster ride through my colon on the big screen. was amazing. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to do that. I'm 45. So I think it's time. I mean, I was literally laying there going, woohoo, like <laughs> amazing <laughs> traveling like and it's and they had it on like a 40 inch fucking plasma TV. LCD, I had LED, whatever, flat screen television, uh, which is good for the government because we just upgraded from from the old tube televisions. No, I'm kidding. Uh, mostly. But it was there. Huge, big as day. 
um, everything that was happening. And I was high AF, dude. I was just like, Woo-hoo, what's that? Oh, turn and left. I mean, I was ridiculous. That's amazing. That should have been recorded. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh, I'll, I'll check and see if they actually have cameras in the rooms. I probably got some friends still at the VA that might be able to help me. With probably. That. <laughs> They're probably watching it at a party somewhere that you're not even privy to. Oh, that would be so illegal. Uh, but I'd be down for it. Yeah. We got the gill colonoscopy for, for Christmas party again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is the show. If you have any good news you want to send us, please do send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana. My final thoughts are if for some reason you're someone out there that has not gotten the vaccine yet, please get it. Um, I have family members that have now tested positive, but they are vaccinated and they are doing well. They're not in my same city, but it is very important. So for some godforsaken reason, I can't imagine anyone in this family has not gotten vaccinated. But if you have not, please, I ask you to do it for yourself and do it for the people around you. And mm-hmm. yeah, that being said, another friend of mine whose father had to go to an emergency room, was forced to go to a hospital, not anywhere near his house because all of the beds were taken up by anti-vaxxers, which makes me more infuriated than the other part. So just do your job, get vaccinated, and let's try and get back to some normalcy. Yeah, I I love the whole, hey, we're not asking you to storm the beach at Normandy. Yeah, Just take a shot and wear a mask. That's the thing that kills me. Yeah, Uh, You know, I think about the giant parts of a functional brain that I had to sacrifice you know, in order to be in the military to help my country, you know, and, and all you have to do, you know, and of course, I'm not talking to anybody who listens to this program. Exactly. But I know. I do feel like we're preaching to the choir, but we definitely are. But uh, thank you. That's a great final thought. And, mm-hmm. and I, I can tell you from experience, uh, yep. I'm uh, so thankful that I'm vaxxed and boosted. And, you know, I'm I'm doing the KN95 thing. If I go out at all, I just have most of my stuff delivered anyway. I'm I'm on lockdown like we were uh, in March of 2020. Yep. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.